Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for Easter Day in Year A. We're starting a new series this season called He Lives. We are focusing, of course, on our resurrected Savior and what it means for us that He lives. Each week, we will be looking at uh, one of the aspects of uh, the resurrection blessings that we receive. And today, we are thinking about how Jesus lives to take me from death to life. Um, Welcome to the podcast, our two preachers for this season, uh, Pastor Brett Krause from Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado, and Pastor Tyler Peel from Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And also with us today, Professor Joel Russo from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So thank you, all you guys, for being here today and helping us out with this uh Preacher's Podcast as we celebrate the Festival of the Resurrection. Um, let's start with Brett Krause today. Could you get us thinking, Brett, about the theme for the service and this week, uh, the Festival of the Resurrection, Easter Day in Year A? Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the, the series itself is He Lives. And when we're talking about the Easter season, that's obviously going to be paramount. And then Easter Day, he lives to take me from death to life. And, you know, when I read that, the first thing I think of is just that in our experience, that's a striking phrase because it's, it's backwards from everything that we experience. So our human experience is always life to death, life to death. And we know why that is. It's because sin causes death. And here we are, though, on Easter Day, and it's striking that that just gets simply reversed by Christ. Um, and Easter is the day that we actually get to look at the historical account of Jesus' resurrection. So it's the central teaching to our faith. But on Easter, we actually get to read the historical account of Jesus being raised from the dead, uh, going from death to life himself. And it gives us a chance to to emphasize the truths of why that is. You know, he died to pay for our sins. He rose from death to prove that his victory over sin was complete. Uh, where sin is defeated, death is defeated too. Uh, and then as I look at that theme, the thing that, that strikes me also is the personal nature of it. So we focus on Christ going from death to life, but the theme says he lives to take me from death to life. And there's just that personal connection that what does it mean to have faith in a risen Jesus? It means that everything that's true of Jesus is now true for me through faith in him. So he died to pay for sins. That means my sins are paid for. Uh, he rose to conquer death. That means my death has been conquered. He lives and reigns at his father's side. And now I get to reign with him. So the theme to me just says that we have this opportunity to speak of the universal nature of Christ's work. He did this for the world. And then the personal nature of it, too. He did this personally for me. And I think as we dig into the Matthew text, Matthew 28, the resurrection account, those things really come through the universal nature of it, but also the personal nature of it uh, as we see him seek individual souls. Yeah, thank you, Brett. And um the, some of the themes you mentioned we'll be exploring more as we go on throughout the season and getting into uh, the other Easter season texts and Ascension and things like that. Uh, but that's a great preview. 
Uh, Tyler, could we go to you next? Uh, our text will be the gospel of the day today from Matthew, but could you say a few words about the first and second readings for the day and how the gospel relates to them? Gladly. As is so often the case on this Sunday, uh, the first and second lesson point directly at the gospel. The first lesson, uh, a preview of sorts, looking ahead in the text from 1 Corinthians, looking back at the resurrection, all about who Jesus is and who we are in him. Um, and as Brett said, he lives, and this is the, the, the two lessons that support the gospel help us re remember this is no afterthought or just something that happened, but um, it's the entire center, the structure, the whole structure of Christianity is built on this, as St. Paul will say in, in 1 Corinthians 15. But the first lesson is that preview that Jesus pointed to, Matthew 12, he's talking to scribes and Pharisees, and they're looking for a sign, even though he had done plenty of signs already to prove he was the Messiah. Uh, so he says to them, this is the sign you'll get, and it looks back to uh, the Old Testament and Jonah, who was swallowed by the big fish and was there for three days until spit out. Um, and Jesus says, this is the sign that you receive. I um, go in the grave, but the grave is going to have to spit him out too. He'll be alive on the third day. Um, so it looks ahead and says, um, I mean, who would have who picked that up in the Old Testament, I suppose? Jonah got spit out by a fish, so the Messiah is going to be in the grave and come out three days later. But we have this um, uh, good word from Jesus that means we can go back there and look forward at him. And then 1 Corinthians is the other text. Um, St. Paul seems very interested in telling the Corinthians um, that this is not a metaphor, maybe. This is not just an idea that Jesus rose from the dead, but a historical fact. And there again, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, if this is not real, we're to be pitied more than all people. Um, so then he kind of lays out how, I, yeah, I'm writing this text. He says, this is of first importance. This is the gospel. This is not something we get past. This is something you just um, cling to for dear life and always grow deeper into. He tells them the kind of the personal story, as Brett was pointing out, it's it's true in Jesus. Uh, the, the, the proof of it is that not two or three witnesses, but 500 plus saw the Christ alive after he had died um, to vindicate exactly what he said he would do. Um, so there's that universal truth of it. God has dealt with sin. Christ is not dead, but um, then it's also personal for Paul. And he talks there about how uh, this resurrection and Jesus um, showing himself to him changed everything for Paul, his whole trajectory and purpose, um, which will of course be true for the people in front of us. Uh, it's absolute, it's trustworthy. It's this new thing and this new life in Christ who is not dead, but who is alive. Um, I think Paul was, we know about the Corinthians and you know, they're writing to the kind of people who thought like a lot of people do still, if I can't explain this, it can't be true. And Paul says, um, just listen, this is truth and it is for you. Yeah, thank you for 
pointing out the, the theological emphases that are there in Paul, the, the Jonah connection that's there, uh, just, yeah, this kind of rich tapestry of, of resurrection truths that are brought in um, through the other readings of the day. Uh, one more quick question before we get into the text. Uh, Tyler, could you maybe say a word or two about how the Easter day readings differ from the Easter dawn readings and uh, maybe the unique emphasis of each or, or slight emphases that uh, differ from one to the other? Right. Thanks. Yeah. The, I mean, a lot of congregations love to um, be there when the sun's coming up to celebrate the new order, the, the new creation. Um, the easiest connection I think to see with that is that the John 20 resurrection account is the one that's used for Easter dawn in our lectionary. And um, that's the one while it speaks about while it was still dark. And also it, it just kind of is a fun thing to play out in real time. While it's still dark, the folks come um, to hear the story. And that, that John 20 lesson um, tells the story maybe with the even more personal angle that Brett was talking about, because that's the account that has Jesus um, speaking to Mary with just that word, Mary, her name. Um, it, it, it's such a fun account of the resurrection. Everything's just kind of chaos and moving. And then Jesus speaks and it all just slows down. You linger there in that moment um, with Mary. There, there are some then supporting texts for that too. Um, one of the classic Easter texts in the Christian church, 1 Corinthians 5, speaking about Jesus as the Passover lamb who's been sacrificed. Um, right? The fulfillment of all of those years of uh, the lamb and the blood of the lamb now in Jesus. And that's a, a place for Corinthians 5, where St. Paul is talking about the Corinthians needing to embrace and live the new life that is in Christ. And um, they've entered into a never-ending feast. So um, like, like Israel of old, you want to clean out the leaven and get rid of the sin and darkness and, um, and live this new life of holiness that has been given to you, victory in Jesus. Uh, and the first lesson that, that morning is this great song of joy from Isaiah 12. Um, Jesus lives, he, God has, his anger has been turned away and he has made atonement become our salvation. And what else can there be but joy bursting forth from the people of God on this blessed Easter dawn kind of thing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. How, uh, just curious, uh, Joel, Brett, Tyler, how have you typically, uh, handled Easter? Do you preach for Easter dawn, Easter day? Um, uh, maybe your churches have not had two separate services, um, uh, double up on a sermon that day, or do you typically do, uh, you know, shorter devotion for, a sunrise service or something like that. Just kind of curious, uh, Brett, uh, what, what have you done typically? Yeah, we, we generally have not done an Easter dawn uh, service, but I think there are times when maybe instead of doing the Easter day readings, we've done the Easter dawn readings for our regular service mm -hmm. just to add mm -hmm. some variety, uh, but haven't been bold enough to do the, the two yet on a Sunday morning. Right. Right. That is, that is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it varies from place to place what the traditions are, the customs are, and uh, some do, you know, Easter vigil services and uh, instead of a sunrise service or in addition to, you know, so uh, it's going to vary from place to place. But uh, Joel, Tyler, uh, what are have your customs been? Joel? 
Yeah, uh, very similar to Brett, that just to mix in a little variety, we would use the Easter dawn reading sometimes. Uh, we did have a sunrise service, but it was a duplicate of the other service. So the early risers got a, a little treat. And if you wanted to hear it twice, you really could come back then for the regular festival service. Right, right. And Tyler? Yeah, well, um, John, you used to serve where I am as my mm-hmm. so. And so I inherited, I don't know if it was before you or with you at your time here, but uh, we have a beautiful little courtyard right in front of the church that um, looks to the east where you can see the mountains on the east side of Salt Lake City. And so it has been fun, weather permitting, because it's always a question at that time of the year here, mm-hmm. to gather out there and um, be here in the word of God, um, you know, at the time when the sun comes up and remembering that morning. Um it usually has worked out very well, except there was that one year when one of my daughters just left and there were no walls because we're outside and it took us a while to find her. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, weather is always a concern when you have a sunrise service, depending on where you're at and your local climate. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it is kind of a cool thing. And, and many churches continue that custom. Um uh, you mentioned using the uh, uh, Easter dawn readings for Easter day. Um, I think I have done that in the past too. It's that first Corinthians five reading where a lot of some of the imagery comes from since it was, I think that's the historic lectionary uh, epistle, right? For the day. So like uh, Christ Jesus lay in death, strong bands that hymn by Luther, you've got the stands about removing the old and evil leaven and celebrating the festival. So a lot of those images from those old Easter hymns come from First Corinthians five, so that that might be a possibility to to import that into the Easter Day service. Tyler, yeah, I was just this is just a practical thing, but since we're talking to preachers, I mean, I and and anybody can disagree with me, but I, you asked about preaching. Um, I don't know if a sunrise service is built for preaching or not, but I am, and just you know, hardly could not uh, say something Mm -hmm. and uh, it worked out really well when in this associate situation, one of us would have the chance to preach for sunrise and the other. But I think also um, just more and more, I've uh, come to the conclusion that this is a day not to belabor the point, to pack a punch and to, um, you know, preach well, but not um, long, if that's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just proclaim the good news, leave the the facts of the resurrection, yeah, kind of to, to stand out there um, in their glory. And uh, right, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into the text then that we are thinking about for preachers today, Matthew 28, 1 to 10, the gospel for Easter day in year A. Um, Joel Russo, could you just start us off, share whatever thoughts um, you'd like to highlight about the text, and then we'll just kind of open it up to the other guys, um, give some hints and tips to preachers as they approach this beautiful Easter gospel. Go ahead, Joel. Yeah, this is a, a fun text to, to work through, and, and you know, just it's fun to compare the text side by side of the, the resurrection accounts and kind of see, okay, how does Matthew uh, flavor the account, uh, so to speak? I'll kind of walk through some things that jumped out to me. Uh, so in verse two, uh, you have the idu, And if you kind of read through the whole account, that word pops up four different times. You know, the behold, behold, behold. Uh, you can almost uh, pic- picture the excitement or the Hebrew hene, uh, something big and bold and new and wonderful has happened. And, and Matthew keeps calling our attention to that. 
Um, I found myself giggling a little bit uh, with verse two. Again, you have the earthquake. So Matthew's the only one who tells how the, you know, the stone was rolled away. The angel comes, there's the earthquake. Uh, but where I was giggling is, is you have in verse four, you know, the stone is rolled away and you have the word seismus in two. And then when it's describing the soldiers there, it uses that same Greek word again, uh, that they were earthquaked that they were seismist. Um, I'm making up words now, but uh, you get the point in, in the Greek that uh, it was a big, big impact. Going on to verse five now. So you have the, the words of the angels to the lady, uh, ladies there. You have, don't be afraid. Uh, so uh, something that jumped out to me was the me phobista uh, himais. Uh, Brett was talking before about how, you know, Easter is personal. Uh, the himais is, is not necessary. So it's captured there in the verb of, you know, don't be afraid, but it's almost as if to say, hey, you, <laughs> and specifically you, those who are standing here looking in, trying to figure out what happened, this is this is for you. Uh, so maybe you can bring up the, the personal uh, nature of that there. Uh, Jesus does repeat the same words. Uh, so to jump ahead a little bit in verse 10, um, almost identical to the message of the, the angel, uh, don't be afraid, and then go and tell the disciples. Uh, so you have repetition in Matthew's account here. Don't be afraid, go and tell. That comes up twice, uh, once from the angel and then once from Jesus. Jumping ahead then a little bit to uh, verses 8 through 10. So this is unique to Matthew's gospel, is Jesus' appearance as they're, they're heading back from the tomb. And I just, I just love how you know, Matthew captures that they're going with fear, verse 8, and great joy. And then Jesus shows up and, and more or less says, just leave the fear. You know, don't be afraid. Just, just carry the joy forward with you. And even his greeting, uh, so kairata in, in verse 9 there, I know that it often just gets translated as greetings. But I think that word has maybe just a little bit more. Um, it's the same word used in, in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, uh, as if to say, rejoice, you know, leave the fear, carry the joy. Uh, last note I'll, I'll give is verse 10. So you have Jesus, don't be afraid, go and tell, uh, he says, my brothers. And I think it's Luther who makes a big point about that phrase right there of just, this is the first time that Jesus has specifically referred to the disciples as his brothers. And, and, you know, brothers share the same thing. They have the same inheritance. They have the same father. They have the same blessings. And, you know, how personal this is that we share everything with Christ, our brother. And he's not ashamed to call us brothers. Uh, that uh, Easter is certainly personal. I know Brett brought that out before. I'll stop there. Uh, there's plenty more to say, but the, the text has a lot to, to soak in. Great. Well, let's just uh, open it up to you guys, Tyler and Brett. Um, any uh, insights you'd like to add just about the text or observations? Brett, you want to go first? Yeah, just building off a lot of the great things Joel said. You know, Matthew records this event. And again, we're looking at the historical account of, of Jesus' resurrection. And Matthew could have just said that. He could have said, okay, here we are. It's Sunday morning. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. This is a fact. Now let's move on to the Great Commission, and it would have been fine because we would have been told that's true. But Matthew's emphasis, as Joel was bringing out, is really Christ is risen, he lives. And then the, the rest of the text is basically, and people need to know about this. So verses two through six are essentially for the women. All right, the women need to know about this. So they've got these, these barriers in the way. You know, who, what, what are we going to do about the stone? What about the guards? 
So the angels come and they say, well, we'll, we'll roll away the stone for you so you can see. We'll make sure the guards are earthquaked away, as Joel said. Um, so you'll just have this path to the tomb and you can see it. And then the angels themselves will tell you, come and see, look, he's not here. Um, and then Jesus himself appears to them so that they aren't just told that message, but they get to see the risen Jesus. They even get to physically touch him as they worship him and, and, and touch his feet. Uh, and then, of course, the disciples themselves or the Jesus brothers, as he now calls them. Uh, the text could have ended at verse six with the eyewitnesses, the women know. Uh, but then Matthew gives us this focus on making sure the disciples, the ones who had deserted him, and I'm sure we'll focus on that a little bit more too. Um, but the angels, the heavenly father who sent them, Jesus himself needs, needs the disciples to know this as well. And of course, they need to know it so they can eventually report it to us so that we can personally know it. So that just really strikes me about Matthew's account. Jesus is alive. He's arisen and people need to know about it. So let's make sure they know. Yeah. Yeah. He's risen. So tell, uh, Tyler, anything to add, just insights on the text or stuff that jumps out at you? Sure. I, uh, I don't know where to stop or start, but uh, yeah. a couple of things that the words in there that um, Joel played on a few, I, the the earthquake stuff also catches my attention. This is uh, just radical seismic shift in everything. And um, I just, I don't know what the word is fun. I think that God uses creation to, to do this. It reminded me of uh, the Easter vigil. We sing this, beautiful song, all you works of God, praise the Lord. And um, we're crying out to everything from the dew to the whales to get involved in praising God because the new thing has happened. New creation um, has burst into the old. And so um, I love that. I also love, and, and I'm sure I borrowed this from somewhere, but just the idea that the angels sat down on that stone because what else is there left to do if Christ has done everything? And I mean, of all the assignments you could get as an angel, this guy's just got to be giddy. doesn't need to be the, the one who gets to announce this to those people. Um, and I, you know, I think that as you read it through, I mean, there's a real connection for preacher man this Sunday with those angels, huh? Now I've told you, he said, here it is. This is the, the everything. Um, I also think this whole text, the way through, sometimes necessarily we preach concepts, ideas from the scriptures, but this one is so just Jesus. And finally, that's all of our preaching, preaching a person, Christ for you. He's alive um, in this moment for you. And then Joel said it for my brothers. He's, it wouldn't be strange to expect Jesus to be out of the tomb for vengeance, or at least to give them a little bit of a hard time, but instead my brothers and, uh, he wants to meet them in Galilee. That was another word that stuck out to me. We, um, that newer Easter hymn, the tomb is empty, speaks about Jesus going ahead of us into Galilee, into all of your Galilees, which I think is a striking phrase. I mean, he's, he's always the one who says, I'll go first. I'll take the hits. I'll take down the bad guys. I will be through suffering and through death and into life ahead of you. So where can you go now um, that, that Jesus won't be there? It's always going to be your Galilee. Yeah, the, and let's get into then kind of law gospel themes in the text or how you, I mean, uh, how you bring out the uh, 
different nuances of the law and gospel that are highlighted in the text in kind of ways that are, are specific to this text. Um, I think we've referred to some of them already, um, but um, as far as kind of uh, malady type of thoughts, um, where do you go with that in this text um, or how do you approach it uh, on Easter Sunday? Um, Joel, I don't know if you have thoughts you could start, start us off here. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of avenues you could take. I think one that Tyler just talked about, too, is um, just the disciples and what's rolling through their minds. And, and uh, you know, certainly how we let the, the Lord down and we carry fear even when we shouldn't. And yet he's still not ashamed to call us as, as his own people. Um, you know, another another one that I, I'd kind of thought of, I was trying to work with the theme a little bit more of, you know, just so the theme for that day is he lives to take me from death to life and, and how we really do still live with that fear all throughout our lives of, of death. Um, we, we should know better and, and, and yet we don't. And yet our, our, our risen Lord Jesus is not afraid to come to us again and again and drive away those fears. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I do like to kind of pick at people's fears a little bit on Easter, because truly, if, if Jesus calls us brothers and if he's defeated death and he's the crucified one who's taken down sin, what do we have to fear? Right. And, and yet it still holds on to us. Right. Great thoughts. Uh, Brett? Yeah, building off a couple of those things and maybe especially just focusing on the disciples, it's, it, it's striking that the text starts with the women um, and really Matthew just very beautifully is weaving the women through the whole death and resurrection account. You know, if you look back in, in chapter 27, you don't hear about the disciples because they've been gone since Monday, Thursday evening. They're literally not mentioned in the entire chapter and the women are. So in chapter 27, Jesus dies. The, the soldier announces this was the son of God. And, and he says the women were we're watching from a distance. And then Joseph of Arimathea comes and he takes the body down and Matthew is sure to tell us. And the women were there. They were sitting right across from the tomb. So they witnessed all of these things. So they witnessed the death. The disciples didn't. They witnessed the burial. The disciples didn't. And now Matthew brings, we're, we're starting a new day. It's the Sabbath. It's dawn. And there are the women again, because they were the only ones who were around to see everything. Um, and conspicuous by their absence are, are the disciples. And you even think that beautiful phrase that the angels say, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. It points us to Jesus' words. Mm -hmm. And even in Matthew's account, Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Matthew 20, these are the times when Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. So those were the words that the angel was pointing them back to. And hearts filled with faith, if the disciples would have had hearts filled with faith, they really should have just been at the tomb sitting there like, okay, any minute now, he's coming out. He said he was going to come out, so we're going to just wait for him. Um, but of course, their hearts are filled with, with doubt, fear, unbelief. And, and yet Jesus says to the women, go and tell my brothers. So first of all, go and tell my disciples, the, the angel says, and then Jesus himself says, go and tell my brothers. And we've hit on that, that emphasis, but what a cool thing. The disciples aren't in the narrative anymore because they took themselves out of it. 
and and Jesus then, you know, the 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 gospel that cures the malady of their fear and they're running away, he says, they're not gonna come to me. So I'm gonna chase them down. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have the women take this message to them. Go and tell my brothers. Um, I'm not gonna yell at you. There's not gonna be any rebuke. There's just gonna be forgiveness because that's what this day was all about. It was about defeating your sins, defeating the guilt that comes from those sins, defeating the fear that sin and guilt can bring. I'm going to chase you down and bring you back to me. And that's just such a, again, that personal nature of the, the Easter story. We have so many people sitting in our pews that are loaded with sin, guilt, fear, as Joel and Tyler were saying. And we get to put ourselves in the place of those disciples that needed to be chased down by their savior and brought back into the family. Mm -hmm. And so the, that word brothers uh, comes full of grace right at the end of the uh, end of the section. Uh, Tyler, any thoughts, law gospel, how you approach it from this text? Yeah, I love everything they've said. When Brett talked about the guy sitting at the tomb, I just had this vision of them sitting there singing hail the festival day and eating peeps, like everything else taken care of. Let's just wait for Jesus to get back up, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, but this is a fantastic point, right? There's so much disappointment there because their expectations were in the wrong way, which is so very easy for any one of us, right? Um, the, the angel has to say not, and it comes across in May and Ook because they got, they, they're thinking the wrong way. They're just full of fear. No, do not be afraid, which I think is just, a gospel word today on Easter. Not um, he is not here. He is risen. That means he is with us this Easter morning in our church because he's not there in the tomb. I mean, you can play on that all day, right? Um, but I think then, why why are we so um, disoriented sometimes when it comes to Christ and His promises? And I think those the two things these guys have talked about are exactly uh, where I live. That. I'm like them, slow to believe this or grasp it all a lot of the time. I mean, the great story is uh, even if if they forgot what he said, um, Jesus didn't. He, he didn't need their help to come alive out of the tomb. But I, I, slow to believe, and part of that is just what my eyes see, this death that's raining. And as Joel was saying, it just gets a, a grip on you, especially when it comes close to home and sort of paralyzes you with fear. Still the enemy, um, though, though the teeth got kicked out of it. It's still a painful thing. And I guess it always, I mean, who of us doesn't have a place where we can doubt and have some fear when it, when death is haunting around. And so the great thing today, of course, is that Jesus is in your face with this fact, like I took death and it's done now that's over with. Um, so as Joel said, now I don't live I mean, we, you and I live like those disciples, afraid yet filled with great joy, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, faith, it doesn't depend on knowing everything, but it depends on this. He's not there. He's alive. And then, then there's always going to be hope underneath whatever um, will come. So I suppose those are the kind of things I think of that can get in the way of, of you know, Jesus and his gift for people. Excellent thoughts. Uh, how about uh, just some ideas for themes or structure of a sermon for preachers? Um, what have you guys done 
as you're working with this now or as you preached it before, um, suggestions that you've got? Um, Joel, anything to, to suggest? Yeah, uh, just actually one more thought that Brett got me thinking a little bit before sure. is when you go back to chapter 27 and the women watch as, as you know, Jesus' body is placed in the tomb, um, a word that struck me in verse one was it's near the end there, the Theorezi. And one of the dictionaries I, I was looking at talk, uh, gave the definition of to be a spectator, you know, that they, they came to the tomb to be spectators. And in one sense, Easter is kind of like a spectator thing, you know, come and see, come and see the place where you lay, but it's not a spectator thing, <laughs> you know, where go and tell, you know, so I, I don't know, you, you really could play on those. There's, there's the come and see, soak in what, what Jesus has done and then, then go and live it and, and go and share it and go and make it known as Brett was saying before too, people need to know about this. Uh, so make sure that you're one of the people who knows this and then make sure you're uh, making it known uh, to others. Uh, as for themes, sometimes, you know, just on Easter, I, I just love to pick the phrases right out of the text itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the come and see is one that, that that's easy to work with. I the, was thinking a little bit more, too. I wouldn't mind just uh, playing with the rejoice. You know, Jesus, what's Jesus greeting to you this Easter morning? Yes, he says greetings, uh, but he says rejoice. And so that means you leave behind fear and you move forward in joy. Uh, that could, those could be your parts. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything great. Hopefully the other guys uh, have something wonderful. Brett. Yeah. Maybe, maybe those three imperatives that the angels say, as Joel was saying, don't be afraid, come and see, go and tell. Uh, that could be three, three messages. The, mm-hmm. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Uh, a lot of those phrases jump out, the, the greetings, the rejoice. Um, maybe the, some of the things that we were talking about earlier, maybe something like Jesus lives and he, and he wants you to know about it. So it gives you a chance to, to talk about the universal nature. What does it mean that Jesus lives? And you can talk about just those basic law, gospel, sin, and grace messages of death is conquered. Um, the sin that causes death has been forgiven. And, and then as you focus on the women and the message for the disciples, and he wants you personally to know about it, it's, it's really just a different way to talk about that. Come and see for yourself and go and tell others. He wants you to know about it, and now you get to take this out to others and go and tell because he wants them to know about it too. Yeah, great suggestions. Uh, Tyler? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Parts. Thanks. I, I was tack one thing maybe on the end of that because it, it strikes me um, if this is like this three parter, you know, the the um, the announcement he's not here, and then you've got the imperative go tell. But there's that awesome promise to hold on to the end. You you will see him, um, and you think you know we that was specific to those those guys in Galilee, but it opens our minds to wherever you are, whenever you are. Uh, surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like what they said. I grabbing a, something from the text. Um, I had mentioned, I could see myself talking about those angels sitting on a stone. So maybe something like that. Um, it's hard to preach Easter without, uh, without that great final promise. You're going to rise too now. So maybe he lives um, playing on the, the theme in the series. You live um, never get used to death. Um I know who you are looking for was a word from the angel. And here come people from um, all over the place to this 
joyful Easter morning and we know what they're looking for. Um, is that in this text? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, they all blend together, right? I mean, the, yeah, the, the Easter, Easter looking accounts, at them all yeah. this mm-hmm. week. Absolutely. So I, I think I want to send them home with this great news and I don't know how to maybe tack that into a nice small text, but you're going to live and this resurrection means there is nothing in your life that Jesus cannot heal now, whether it's in time or in, in eternity. But um, this, this kind of power means Monday is different than it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think um, as I've approached this text in the past, uh, I think I picked up on Joel mentioned the Thetaresi, the looking, they went to look at the tomb. You have the angel in verse five saying, uh, I, I know that you're looking for Jesus. I think I picked up on that kind of, you know, he lives. So what are you looking for? Um, and then uh, uh, freedom from fear. So do not be afraid. Um, genuine joy. You know, they were afraid yet filled with joy. And that can, you could talk about that, how those things, you know, often in our lives, they coexist. Um, there's fear, but there's also a real joy because uh, Jesus lives and, uh, and we are connected to him. Um, and then uh, the, going off of the brothers um, at, at the end there, uh, what else are we looking for? Well, relief from guilt, from our failures, from sin. Um, and we find that we find all these things then in Jesus um, might be another way to approach it. So, yeah. I, I think that's great because as Joel was saying, this word uh, seeing things runs throughout the text. And that's exactly what you're talking about, seeing I mean, now you see death differently. You see the baptismal font differently because it's all of a sudden life for you, um, resurrection. Uh, so I think that's a pretty striking image metaphor for this whole thing. Mm-hmm. The eyes of faith, everything changes. The world, you see it differently. God, you see differently. Yourself, you see differently. Yeah. Joel? And the end that you will see Jesus uh, at yeah. the end. Sure, you know, and- sure. I, I did also like Tyler's thought of, he said before, Jesus goes ahead of you into Galilee and he's always the first, he's always ahead of us. And, and there's nothing we have to fear as we go into the future. Um, he kept his word looking back. He's with you with his promises. Now don't be afraid. And you have nothing to fear into the future. Uh, text has a lot. I think that's, what's fun is yeah. when you preach, preach on this again and again, you can pick up on different things and, and bring them to light. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're not going to exhaust every last uh, uh, nuance of the text. It is so rich. And um, yeah, and we can keep coming back to this, these same accounts every single year. Um, and there's always something fresh for us. Um, yeah. And you can use the other lectionary readings sometimes to guide you on, in one direction or another, uh, bring out certain themes or key off of certain words or images there in the text. But uh, any final um, suggestions or, or things you'd like to share uh, with preachers that will uh, offer them some food for thought? Okay. If, if nothing is yeah, standing out to you, I think we've mentioned a lot of great things already. We can wrap it up then for today, but um, God bless you preachers as you approach this powerful account uh, from St. Matthew of Jesus' resurrection and uh, yeah, uh, enjoy, uh, love proclaiming this to your people and all that the Lord brings um, within earshot this Easter Sunday, the good news that he lives.